So we're in, um, we're in Lent. We're in a series on uh, anointing. I think it's about like part 11 or 12. 11. This is part two inside of a part 11 series, inside of a series that's about 387 messages. <laughs> that's how that works. Um, but no, this really is a part two. Um, last week, we, kind of, we looked at the cross of anointing. Jesus' cross, he's got one, you got one. And we talked about, I'm just going to do a lightning review here, okay? It's okay if you feel like, well, I wasn't here last week. It's okay, you're not going to miss anything. Um, but it's very important to recognize that your cross is not Jesus' cross. Thank God, right? And yet you have one. Okay, we talked about things your cross is not. Um, it's many misunderstandings are just ideas that we carry, and we don't even know that we carry these ideas and that it impacts our faith. Okay, it, it impacts the way we live our faith. So, for example, your cross is not your ministry. Okay, we just have to say that again real quick before we jump in. It's, it's, it's so easy to slip into a mode where we think, oh, well, my cross is my ministry. I'm bearing my cross. Ministry for the Lord, you know, and it's, it's just not. It's simply not, okay? Um, why? Let's, let's just do this. Your ministry is reward. <laughs> You're invited into the joy of ministry. If ministry is not a joy, if it's this cross that you're bearing, something went wrong there. You do have a cross to bear. It's very clear in the word of God. But it's not the reward, the joy, the participation, and the power of God that is your life, that is your ministry. It's not that. Okay. It's also not trying to get your behavior up to the standard. That's not your cross. Um, thank God, right? Because it's impossible to do. It is the Spirit's fruit in us <laughs> that changes anything about our behavior. And one of the things we're going to talk about again, he's not behavior focused. Anybody thankful for that? <laughs> okay, he's inward focused, and we're going to talk about that this morning, which is where your cross is. Um, your cross is not accepting your suffering. With head held low, um, he promised there would be suffering in this life. This place has fallen. I don't care if you're saved or not. There's suffering, period. And yes, we walk through it with him. He promises to bring all things to good. But that is not the cross that Jesus says, um, if you're going to follow me, um, you must deny yourself and take up your cross. It's not that. I'm going to leave it there because I have so much to go through. I'm going to be very disciplined. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. And you guys know I have a hard time with this. I'm not going to stop and teach on every word. <laughs> we're going to read through some stuff. And we're, just, we're going to get a word that I believe the Lord wants us to get in this season where we approach Resurrection Sunday, um, in the season where we're considering the cross, his and ours. Okay, I'm going to read, um, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 18, and this is the same scripture we read last week. We, we have to make this a starting place because it is true that this is like part two of what we did last week. And this, this is really good. This, is, this gets good. Last week was kind of like frustrating for me because I felt like I got like halfway through and it's like, man, we didn't even talk about the good stuff. So this, this should be good. 
Verse 18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now I'm just going to hit what is the power of God? The cross, and it's this specifically says the message of the cross. Now I got to hit this again. What's the difference? The cross is something. What's the difference between the cross and the message of the cross? A message is something that continues to speak, okay? It continues to speak over a life into a heart. It says, for those who are being saved. In other words, you're on a being saved journey. Yes, the work is finished and you're saved, but you're also on a journey of salvation. In their thought, they never really had a concept that, like we do in, in Western concrete culture, that, that there's like a moment where it's like, well, okay, you just did, you're saved. Okay, they look, everything for them was journey. Everything for them was a movement of God that was, is, and will continue to be. So for those who are being saved, there's a message that continues to speak. And that, the message of the cross, is the power of God for us who are being saved. But what? Foolishness for those who are perishing. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. That's world wisdom, right? Worldly prudence. The foolishness of the message of the cross wipes out the foolishness of the way this world thinks. Okay, verse 20. I'm moving really fast because we did this last week and I got new good stuff. But verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, through, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I, um, I, I'm having trouble reading. Let me try that again. Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, so that didn't work. It pleased God through, um, through the, I have too many notes, through the foolishness of the message preached, to save those who believe. What's the power of God? What saves? It's the foolishness of the message preached. In other words, upside-down kingdom. In other words, exactly the opposite of the way, the way the world thinks. That foolishness is the power of God to save. Okay? And we're going to look at to save to the anointed life. It's going to come clear as day today. Um, Two categories are talked about next. Verse 22 says, For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. What's that? Jews were looking for, for the instantaneous salvation of God. Okay, in the physical, they were outward focused, they were physical focused in their waiting for the Messiah. When the Messiah didn't immediately overthrow Rome, they had a stumbling block. When they had someone who interpreted the law from love, kindness, and mercy instead of behavior, outward appearance, behavior, compliance with, are you following me? They had a stumbling block, and it makes the message of the cross foolishness. And what's Greeks? On the far other end is those who choose their God. I have God be what works for me. Um, that's not the message of the cross. That, that's, a, that's a world foolishness that says, if this doesn't work for me, if it doesn't, if it doesn't and again, look, if it doesn't benefit me in the physical, 
right now in my life, then it's foolishness. And yet the word of God, I'm sorry, did you, did you say something? Okay. Okay. See, so she's the one who keeps, when I'm doing something really crazy that's not coordinated, she lets me know, so I have to pay attention. This morning I was giving her the scriptures and I apologized. I said, I'm sorry, I have so much scripture this morning. And she has to put all that in there. And she just looked at me and said, I love you too. <laughs> you have to love that. I'm like, aw. <laughs> it's good to be loved. Okay, that's our lightning review. Go to Matthew 16. I believe we read this last week too, but we have to touch this. Matthew 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's kind of harsh, you know? And if it's the power of God, if the message of that is the power of God for us, we'd better get a practical sort of handle on that, shouldn't we? I mean, that can't be like a pie-in-the-sky thing. It's the power of God to us. Do we want the power of God available to us? Then we've got to get a handle. We can't leave that as like a mystical, you know, to take up your cross. Now, deny yourself. You know he delights in you. You are his inheritance. He created you and everything about you. Why in the world would he want you to deny yourself? We have to say this this week. What's going on here? I'm going to tell you, this is where Paul talks about old man and new man, right? This is where Paul says, what I want to do, I don't. I'm all messed up. I'm a freak. Denying yourself is not denying the true self. There's just no way. It doesn't align with the word of God. Jesus created in you, Jesus the creator of you, created a unique, beautiful, perfect self who stands before the throne, covered in his blood, and he's absolutely delighted with you. No bad behavior or good behavior can change the way he feels about you. You can't change his love. You can't lessen it. You can't increase it. So this is talking about denying what? The old man, denying what's in the way of your true self. Taking up your cross is an, and we're going to talk about this, is an inward journey that crucifies the old man, that associates your old man with the death, with Jesus' very death. So that, what does it say? I don't have it here in my notes, but it says if we die with him, then we're also raised with him. You see, the true self is raised in the resurrection. It's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that raises you, the true self. And that comes in denial of the old self. We're going to talk about that. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. I might slow down at some point here, but we're, we're moving, we're moving. Perhaps one of the most famous verses. You all know this one. Jesus is speaking, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, 
and my burden is light. Boy, that sounds different than deny yourself and take up your cross, doesn't it? It, it kind of sounds like it's in conflict, doesn't it? Like, which is it? <laughs> Do I have to take... Yet remember with me this morning as we talk about the cross, what the cross is. It's really easy to have a pretty one like this, but it was the most excruciating and is the most excruciating death available. It was in their culture, they never lost sight. They saw this happen as people were convicted. They were deeply in touch with what the cross is. And when Jesus said, deny yourself and take up your cross, um, we kind of miss it until we stop and meditate. We got to stop and go, whoa, what are we talking about here? To follow Jesus, I need to take up a cross. And how is that the same Savior who says my yoke is easy? It is the same Savior. And we're going to make, it's so important that we're crystal clear. This has to be practical to us. Not two things where we're like, well, that's the mystery of God. <laughs> I can't get a handle on that. It, we can get a handle on it. And we need to. We're going to. I want you to go to John 7 and verse 37. And then we're almost done with the warm-up. This is a prophecy before we read it. Just so you know, these are the words of Jesus. And he is foretelling of the anointed life that he invites you into. That's what these words are. We're in a series on the anointing, right? And this is Jesus' words. It's his foretelling promise of his plan for you to be anointed once. In the Holy Spirit. It says, verse 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Let me do commentary by, by little Paul. <laughs> me it's um, as the scripture has said in his heart will be great anointing that's what that says okay it goes on it says but he spoke this concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the holy spirit was not yet given because jesus was not yet glorified in other words he's not yet endured the cross and resurrected right so here we have promises. My yoke is easy. And there's a promise for, uh, for flowing anointing, rivers of living water for those who believe. And yet it's the same Savior who says, if you're going to follow me, deny yourself and take up your cross. Okay, now I'm going to show you something. Um, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 2. Um, and while you're turning there, I'm just going to... Um, I'm just going to set this up, okay? We talked a little bit last week about circumcision, and it has a lot to do with the cross. We're going to do, last week we were in Galatians 5, okay? This is another passage on circumcision, and this is, um, this is what I want to say. We talked about this last week. We're going to do it again, and it leads us where we're going. Jesus was always pressing his disciples. That's you. You're a disciple, right? 
He's always, was, is, and will be pressing his disciples into an inward journey. He basically had rebuke every single time when people had an outward or a physical approach. In fact, wasn't that what we said is the stumbling block for both Jew and Greek? It is the stumbling block for the message of the cross, which is the power of God for us. It's outward focused. Okay? The issue of circumcision is one of God's mo most powerful um, word pictures, metaphors for us understanding Jesus' continuous drive with his disciples to be inward people, not outward physical focused people. Okay? Now read with me in Romans 2. Verse, I'm starting in verse 25. It says, for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man, now listen to this, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? That's an easier, well, no, uh, let me leave that alone. <laughs> you see, now let me read one more thing. Verse 27. And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Now keep your finger there. I'm going to keep reading, but we have to point this out. Do you notice it says um, circumcision becomes uncircumcision? Now once again, let's don't leave this sterile. Let's think about what we're talking about. How do you undo that? It's like, whoa, you're not putting that back, right? You can't undo that. But this just said, this just said, but if you're a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. <laughs> and here they're saying those who are uncircumcised in the physical, who have a circumcision inwardly judge those who are circumcised by the law. Now, again, don't keep this sterile. Do you know why they're having this conversation? Is because it, at this time, they were literally circumcising people, adult people, in order to come into the faith. Can you imagine if you were one of those and, and then you found out, whoa, they judged, I wish you'd have told me that five minutes ago. <laughs> I mean, I can barely walk here. Are you following me? And that, that can't be like, like, wow, you are a couple minutes late with that news. I mean, seriously, this is, this is real stuff. This was a real contentious issue that was going on. And it was a real severe problem in terms of that we're going to see in terms of the message of the cross when they were outward, when they were physical focused <laughs> instead of the way Jesus discipled the new justice we're going to talk about in a minute that Jesus implemented that made it safe to go inward. Verse 29 says that he is a Jew who is one inwardly. What's that? He was a Jew. What's that? How do we translate that? You're chosen <laughs> when, you're, when you're chosen inwardly. That's not behavior. It's not performance. It's not whether, um, oh gosh, the worst thing about the prosperity gospel 
is um, is it gives us this uh, this false paradigm that your your physical circumstances should always be aligning with this great favor of God upon the chosen. Now you've all heard me teach before. You know I believe in the, I believe in blessing on the chosen. He has every intention to bless, but um, even in the physical. Okay, by his stripes we're healed. He has every intention to heal bodies. He, he cares about your finances and that your car keeps working and that you have a good... He cares about all that stuff. But the worst thing when you twist it into a prosperity gospel is it becomes outward focused and Jesus only ever had rebuke for that emphasis, for that understanding of how the spiritual works. And I just want you to, be, we're about to move on to really great stuff, but um, just before I do, I want you to know, it's so easy to read about the Pharisees, okay, and not, not include <laughs> yourself in that number, okay? That, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. That's good enough. That's good enough. Thank you, Lord. We're moving on. Okay, we did that already. All right, now we're getting to it. Turn to John chapter 4. I'm going to be starting in verse 6. This is a story that um, most all of you, if not every one of you, you know this. This is the woman at the well. You know I love to preach on this. You've probably heard me do it lots of times. Um, We're going to glean for something a little different here today okay and we're gonna we're gonna discover jesus's inward push so we can take up our cross so um we can do it rightly not in some legalism not in some outward way but in the way that releases the power of god for us who are being saved so let's just read here i'm in verse four jesus therefore being wearied from his journey sat thus by the well it was about the sixth hour A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So, um... So let's touch this for a second. What just happened? Jesus just violated actually actually two rules or cultural standards in one swipe. He talked to a woman, um, which you didn't really do in public, okay? So like youth group, <laughs> youth gr- our youth groups that go out roller skating together, that didn't happen. That was not the way they did things, okay? Men didn't talk to women at the well. Okay, and Jews, good Jews, ones who had the religion right, who worshipped in Jerusalem, didn't talk to Samaritans who didn't worship right. Got it? So, in other words, what? He's blowing up the, f- the physical even right at the beginning of this encounter. Okay? It's significant before you even read on. He just blew up the standards in order to what? in order to go in with somebody, right? Now watch, it just gets better and better. Jesus answered her, uh, answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, 
you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. So what's going on? I'm just going to keep looking at the same theme, just one that you can look at as you move through here. Look, she's still physical folk. She's still outward focused. But what's Jesus doing? He's driving in with a fierce love. He's driving in. She's worried about, you don't even have a bucket. How are you, right? She's not talking in the inward place that he's talking about. Goes in, um, where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Okay, anointing. Streams of living water. Whoever comes to me enters into this anointed life. Yes, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now the woman said, now watch this. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. So what's her issue? I'm going to tell you, it's the same issue we have all the time. All the time. She still has the same issue, right? And what is it? She's still not tracking because she's still trying to interpret spiritual things from a physical understanding. Trying to do the outward instead of the inward. You got it? Now watch, it doesn't stop there. You would think, man, she'd be starting to be catching on now. Well, I think she, he thinks that about me most of the time, right? Man, I wish he'd start catching on now, <laughs> right? And so what's he going to do? What's a love like this going to do? Drive harder. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Jesus shoots straight for the inside. This is, and Why? This is where the message of the cross operates. It doesn't operate out here. Now, don't mishear me. The fruit of the message of the cross comes out like living water, and you will see it in the physical. You'll see it in ministry. You'll see it in relationships. You'll even see it in your physical realities that you struggle with. I do think it's a problem if you don't see the blessing of God beginning to bust out in areas of your life. It should bring us, it is God's good plan to bring us to our knees, to bring us, to draw us into him, into closer relationship. You cannot come away from the word of God without understanding that he has a good plan, that, that hardship and trial and pain is designed to draw us to him. Why, why is that required? Why does it work that way? It's because that is what drives us to the interior, or at least has the potential to do so. It is what drives us from, from ceasing to look out here for the spiritual, for the movement of God, the reality of the anointed life, and drives us inward to him. He says, go get your husband. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you've spoken truly. 
So what's really going on? We have to stop and notice this, perhaps in a different way than before. What's going on here is she finally made it to the inner place, to the place of the heart, the place of the spirit. And so finally, listen to me, finally Jesus can meet her. So far they've been talking like this. Now, she's beginning to be met by Jesus. And I am absolutely convinced it's his plan for us. It is the place of the message of the cross. It's where the message of the cross operates. It will not operate out here. We will talk like this sideways with Jesus until we, and we're going to talk about how, before we're done this morning, but until we get into that interior place, that is where Jesus meets. It'll never be in the program of the church, (laughs) the way we do religion. If you're following the law well, in other words, what is it in our, if your behaviors are good, it'll never be the place (laughs) where you meet Jesus and avail the power of God through the message of the cross. It's going to be in an internal place, and and I'm just going to put out there before we even move on to it, that's the place we avoid the most. It's the uh, most terrifying place. It's the place of our avoidance. It is against the grain. It is against the sin nature. It is against what even those who well-intentioned people who actually love you um, in reality and have good intentions, most of the time relationship in our life will drive us away from the meeting place with Jesus, the internal place. And it's not for lack of good intention. It's, you know what it is? It's just they're terrified too, (laughs) right? It's the inclination of the heart separated from God. So you do it to yourself, people around you will do it, and most of the time the program of the church will even cause you to avoid the internal. Just align with what we do here. (laughs) Quit causing trouble. Do you know that going into the internal (laughs) causes all the trouble? Jesus said, I came to bring a sword. Why? That's a, that's a sword of love. He wants to slice you up because he's got such good plans. He's got such a powerful anointed life where the power of God is available to you through the message of the cross. Well, the moment we begin to, to dabble in the area of the message of the cross, we invite great messiness. It gets really, really real, really, really quick. Why? Because that's where we begin to talk to Jesus like this face-to-face. That's where a meeting begins to happen. I don't remember where I am. 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. <laughs> I'm glad other people laughed besides me. I'm certain that I'm that dense a lot of the time. <laughs> I perceive. It's like um, the Lord will keep, keep hammering me with his voice over and over, the same message, the same message. And, and like the 12th time in, I'm like, 
Lord, I'm perceiving that this is your voice. You're trying to say something to me. And he's like, (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what that is. (laughs) I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Now watch what she's doing. Do you know what she's doing? She's running like hell. <laughs> Does anybody do that? Yeah, she's changing the subject. She's like, what, and what is the most convenient, most distracting, most destructive subject change we can engage in? Back to religion, back to outward. That's the, oh, just immediately. Well, let's talk about the proper place to worship. Well, we could, but we were starting to meet here. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship, um, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. We're starting to talk about taking up your cross now. What is spirit and in truth? Spirit and in truth is is a worship that happens in the interior. It's not singing songs. You see, singing songs position for a move. I go into every time of worship. That was probably my favorite time of worship in my whole life. I, I loved that so much this morning. And I don't think I'm exaggerating. Every worship that I go into, I'm looking to be changed. I'm looking to have a transaction. I'm looking to get out of the physical, find myself in a place of spirit and in truth, and enter the courts and be with him face to face. I don't always succeed. Sometimes it takes me three quarters of the worship time to even start because I'm so busy with my crap. why I'm so thankful for the anointing on this team because it just um, I just find that I'm right there that's that's anointing okay that's the that's the living water flowing from from these beautiful people the blessing of God upon them to take us somewhere in the spirit and in truth because then for the father is seeking such to worship him that's what he's seeking and God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to. I was going to, but I'm going to. I'm going to move on to another scripture because it's really the message today. We haven't even really started. But um, what I want to say is, if you keep reading on in that story, you read that the woman begins to live her anointed life after that face-to-face encounter, which could not, was not going to happen until it was that interior conversation. And then she begins to produce fruit, and people begin to believe. She begins to, um, to produce fruit in her community. People begin to believe because of her. Go to Luke uh, chapter 11. I'm going to try to make this my last scripture. <laughs> Area, passage, portion. 
Luke 11, I'm going to start in verse 37. Now listen, this is one more time, and I'm, I'm just going to challenge you that you can find dozens that, of, of these times. Every time Jesus was talking, he was driving from the outward to the interior to a courage to look in it. And here is the key. You know, um, how many of you would like to have um, the key of knowledge? Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. That's in this passage. You're about to get the key of knowledge. It's a gift. It's for, I'm going to give it to you for free this morning. <laughs> Verse 37. And as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. Well, isn't that funny? A Pharisee wants to dine with him. So he went in and sat down to eat. When the Pharisee... Um, it doesn't seem to make sense. Verse 38. When the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. So where are we, church? What's going on here? The same thing happened again, right? Physical, outward. He's worried about compliance. And uh, what, what is wrong with you? He's sitting with the creator of the universe, and he's worried about the fact that he didn't wash his hands, his feet before dinner. Okay? Now, verse 39, then the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Yeah. This is one of those, I'll just remind you, you can invite yourself anytime you want to just join into the plight of the Pharisee. They aren't the bad guys in the, uh, what do you call it? In the, anyway, they're not just the bad guys out there. It is, this is spiritual insight for us. <laughs> the, the spirit of the Pharisee is alive, okay? Verse 40, foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. Now we're shifting gear a little bit, but not really. So, but so, so just track with me. You got to listen. What did that say? It says, but rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. What makes all things clean? What is Jesus doing? Do you know what alms are? I sort of didn't. I'm just going to be transparent. I had to look it up, like give alms. Alms um, is specific giving. The word means compassionateness, beneficence, or mercy. Okay, that's alms. So it's not like just general tithing or um, alms are, are the move of a heart for compassion, for mercy. And what makes all things clean? First of all, Remind yourself, we're in a conversation where they are already grappling with the outward versus the inward. And he says, give alms. In other words, give mercy, give kindness, give compassionateness, and that is what makes all things clean for you. Now, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to prove it in a minute, but I'm going to put it out that we're talking about the message of the cross, which only operates inside. Okay? All right, verse 42. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. Pass by justice. Doesn't that feel out of place? Like, what does that have to do with this conversation? Everything. 
Do you know that the message of the cross, and it's going to be in this passage, but the message of the cross is a new justice. Period. In other words, it is, it is the cross and it is the power of God through the message of the cross that makes a new justice. Hopefully you're tracking already. Do you got, what's the new justice? They were a culture that was riddled with the law, everything outward. They were adding law, laws, law and law and law on top of um, if you could get up to a standard where you're like, wow, I think I'm finally fulfilling the law. They would add 10 to make sure you couldn't get there. <laughs> still do, don't they? They still do. So what's the new justice? The new justice is the, power, is the message of the power of cross. The new justice is that you already, when you come to him in the meeting place, you're already covered by the blood. You've already fulfilled the law. That is the new justice. That it, listen, the message of the cross is a message of his mercy. It's a message of his compassion, of his kindness. It's extravagant. It's a whole new justice. He goes on and says, These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. What's that? That's you enjoy outward success, <laughs> right? Back to the outward. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Now listen to this. For you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. It's so important we get this, okay? Um, you're like graves. Okay, so in other words, listen. It's literally the outward appearance. It's literally making, like, making it look like I'm doing well, that causes me, I'm using myself as an example to, <laughs> for some reason, to be, um, to hinder people from the power of God through the message of the cross. Did you follow that? They walk over to the graves and they don't realize it. In other words, what behavior, what mode of practicing our faith keeps people from the message of the cross and the power of God for us? And it is precisely that. It is lack of mercy. It's the outward focus looking for alignment with behaviors for a cross like that that literally hinders, creates walls and barriers for people to, to get into the meeting place with Jesus. It's lack of mercy. And then I love this part. I'm trying to move quickly. Verse 45, Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things, you reproach us also. <laughs> and Jesus goes, You're darn right. The next thing, at verse 46, And he said, Woe to you also, lawyers. Like, somebody's tracking with the conversation. And why? Listen, For you load men with burdens hard to bear. That's the opposite of alms. And you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. And what is the message of Jesus? I want to tell you something. Take, deny yourself, take up your cross. <laughs> is the easy yoke. Do you know what the new justice is? It's so important we get this. The work of Jesus on the cross and the message that still speaks is that it's safe. 
it's, it's safe to be a mess and meet him on the interior. It's safe not to pretend. Are you following me? You go in here, listen, you go in here and you will be met with kindness and mercy and compassion. That is a new justice. That is a complete alteration of the universe, (laughs) the work of the cross. You don't have to fear to come in honesty. You don't have to distract yourself with every distraction you can think of in order to avoid the interior because Jesus made it safe. Because Jesus says, if you come to me and drink, is anybody burdened? If you come to me, I give you water. You will find kindness. It will be easy. My yoke is easy. That's what he says. Now, I'm going to show you what this says just next because I just told you the key of knowledge, the key to knowledge. He goes on and says, woe to you, for you build tombs. Actually, I want to skip those verses because there's no way I have time to teach that. Um, Verse 52, woe to you lawyers. So he's continuing that conversation. He says, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. (laughs) The message of the cross. It's foolishness to an outward focused life. And it is the power of God for all who have a faith. Have what faith? What's the most important faith to have? It's the faith, it's the it's the faith of the message of the cross. And that is this: it is faith that if I have the courage to be real, to be transparent. If I have the courage to go meet with him in the meeting place, to end the distractions, end the facade, end pretending that I have a righteousness, if I have that courage, if I have the faith in the message of the cross, which is this faith, if I go there, I will be met with kindness, compassion, and mercy. And I will be given the gift of rivers of living water that flow. I will get the anointed life, but there's only one way in. It's the courage to meet there on the inward, not out here. It's the message of the cross. Now, before we have the Lord's Supper here, I just, um, I want to give you this thought. Um, the worship, those of you on the worship team, you could come on up and start getting ready. I just want to give you this thought. These scriptures uh, that we've been looking at today are very much outward, outward versus inward, right? And it's it's kind of even in that it's kind of um, outward focused in that it's it's about help me with this, Lord. It's about the other. You got it. So in other words, they're being rebuked because they are hindering to others in this way. They're worried about the outward. They're worried about good behavior. They're worried about the program of the church. They're worried about all of these things that that not only aren't helpful, but they are hindering (laughs) to going into the meeting place with a faith that I will be met with compassion and kindness. Now, here's why I'm saying this. Um, Put your seatbelt on. You're your own worst Pharisee. 
And that's what the Lord wants me to tell you today. I'm positive about it. We, every one of us, we don't need anyone else to apply law on us. We don't need anyone else to make us terrified Mm -hmm. (laughs) to bring our real self transparently into the meeting place. Mm -hmm. And it's a faith problem. It is. Because if we absolutely, truly believe that bringing ourselves in that transparency will be met with an easy yoke, Mm -hmm. kindness and compassion and mercy, with a God who delights in us, we can bring our worst It's the message of the cross. You can bring your worst. Mm -hmm. And we're absolutely certain in our faith. He'll meet us right there with kindness, compassion, and mercy and say, I've got anointing for you. I've been waiting for you to come like this. It is the enemy's game to make sure that you stay way too terrified to let the truth be the truth and meet with Jesus in the meeting place. We'll blame it on others. We'll stay distracted. We'll try to perform. I mean, we'll do everything we possibly can think of (laughs) to avoid the terror of the truth about ourselves, even though the message of the cross is that if you go there, you will be met with a Savior who's delighted you've come, (laughs) with kindness and mercy, and he's got anointing for you in that place. That's the message of the cross. That's it. You know, every message, I better quit teaching. Every message that could ever be taught from the word of God is built on the message of the cross. Everything falls down when not founded on the message of the cross. Jesus made it safe. I didn't say people are safe. Let me throw that out there. <laughs> Church can be very dangerous and people can be, can be very, well, we're reading about it. People can be very hindering. But Jesus is safe. His yoke is easy. He's waiting for you there in the place of spirit and truth. Amen. I want to leave you with one um, final scripture. In 1 John chapter 3, um, the first three verses say this. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Behold, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And listen to verse 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he, speaking of Jesus, is pure. And it's the second verse we read this morning that talks about, the last verse said, um, this makes all things clean for you. 
right? And this time it says purifies himself. I just want you to notice it's the same thing. Here, he who has this hope, what hope? That he's going to finish the work, that he's got a new justice, that you're going to be like him through the message of the cross. And isn't it the same thing the last time? That it is, it is in the place, giving yourself the mercy and kindness, having faith in that. You've got to be merciful and kind to yourself. We go through life fooled into thinking that he is withholding the mercy, that he's the withholder. And he has extravagantly, he bled out so that all mercy and kindness would be yours. The withholder is you. We've got to be merciful to ourselves because his offer is already there. Father, I pray that you would seal the work that you did today. I ask, Lord, a blessing over, um, over this people, everybody listening, watching, everybody who's here in person this morning. I ask, Holy Spirit, that uh, you would blaze this on the eyes of our heart, that we would always know the message of the cross. I ask in the authority of your name, Jesus, that over these, the evil one would never be able to steal your kindness, your mercy, your goodness that is in the message of the cross. We allow no confusion, no theft, no cloudiness, but just a clarity in the spiritual realm in each of their hearts. In the name of Jesus, we are a people of the message of the cross, and our lives will be marked by the message of the cross. We praise you, God, that you are the kind one. You're the merciful one. You're graceful. And I ask for the miracle that everyone everyone that is participating in this time together, that they would be people who would have the miracle of being able to partake in the message and receive your mercy and join instead of resist and to have the courage to be with you in the meeting place. In the name of Jesus, amen. Be blessed. I sure do love you guys. Love each other on the way out.